Um, my name is Sheila Malloy and I'm the Education and Training Manager with Educate Plus, for those of you that don't know me. Um, and this morning we're going to listen to and hopefully chat with Craig Teagle. Um, Craig wants this to be a bit more of an interactive uh, session, which is why I've promoted you all to panellists. Um, so when you've got questions, and you will have lots of questions and ideas and stuff that come up throughout, can you please uh, put them into the chat or the Q&A function um, or else um, at some stage Craig will ask a question and ask you for a response and feel free to unmute yourselves at that stage. Just because there's so many people in this webinar, if you could make sure that you keep your um, microphones on mute because you do tend to take over and it's a bit distracting. Um, so for those of you, I know we've got a lot of people returning because the presentation was just mind-blowing last week. Um, certainly made me feel really good after listening um, and I reckon we've got another treat in store today. Um, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Craig and uh, as I said last week, it's just really difficult to pack his massive career into a few seconds. Um, and so he has an amazing array of experience in building businesses and knows firsthand about managing uh, yourself and showing leadership in small and large businesses. Um, he worked in Adobe Systems over 17 years and he was responsible for overseeing operations in 10 countries and managing over 105 staff. Um, so knows a lot about leadership and self-management. And he also has experience of working with school boards and executive directors and so he can relate to your roles. I don't know if you guys can hear the chainsaws behind me. Apologies if you can. Um, so join me in welcoming uh, Craig to this uh, fantastic webinar. And Craig, whenever you're ready, take it away. I am going to keep on promoting people into the meeting. So um, let me just make sure that we can unmute you, Craig. Are you able to unmute yourself, Craig? Yeah, perfect. All right. Fantastic. Thanks, Sheila. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for raising the bar on my presentation today just by... Um... No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no, no pressure. Just, um, but it was really great to um, be with you last week. I know lots of you are, were there at uh, last Friday's session. And thank you to those people who um, reached out directly to me or joined um, or followed me through LinkedIn. And um, feel free to do that. Um, at any stage, um, if you would like to, and I'll remind you about that as we get, as we get to the end of the presentation, because it's probably a, a great way in which I can continue to keep sharing with you uh, different leadership stories and different leadership opportunities um, that might be useful for you and your teams as you're leading through your um, school or organisation. Um, it was certainly great for me to be back at um, my school where I chair a council um, uh, on Wednesday with a you know, school full of children back there again uh, was just fantastic. So, uh, so rather than being the, you know, the school council, you know, going in on our own, you know, in the middle of COVID um, and having no children around to have everyone there was just fantastic. So I'm sure for you guys as well, it's been really good to have your students back, um, having staff back and, uh, and trying to get back to a little bit of normal um, or the new normal um, as we come out of this and, uh, and try and um, just move forward. So, you know, today we're going to be really talking about leading change um, with others, where last week we spent most of the time talking about leading change uh, as, a, as, it, as individuals. <coughs> Excuse me, and I'm just going to make sure my slides are going to move. Great. 
Uh, and I'm not going to spend too much time here because I think Sheila just really um, just introduced me, but I really did have a fantastic time at Adobe for 17 years running around the world leading different teams of people um, and then decided to come back to Australia again because I'd been living overseas for about 10 years and hadn't been at home with my wife or four children very much. Um, and it was time to, <coughs> excuse me, come back um, and re-establish myself with them and make sure that my relationship with my kids were right before they took off and um, went to uni or overseas or whatever they you know, went off and did. So it was a, a really a, a great time to come back. And when I came back, I thought about what I really loved doing most when I was away and leading teams around the world. Um, and that was about being able to help them be the best that they could possibly be. Because you know, my belief is if you can get your people to be the best they can be, then you're going to be delivering great results um, to your organization and to your clients. One of those clients are you know, parents or students, or in my case, people who are using Photoshop or Illustrator or Acrobat um, are our solutions. Um, you know, our people are the most important piece, which is why I named my company People Make the Difference, because philosophically, um, you're as good as the people you've got working for you, um, and ultimately, I believe, people do make the difference. You can have the best products, the best solutions, the best online presence, the best everything, but if you don't have great people being led by great leaders, then you are never truly going to realize the full potential um, of your organization. So that's what got me into um, the, the coaching side and the leadership work and everything I do very much focuses around um, leading and people leading their organizations. You know, half the people I work with are heads of schools or executives um, um, of in, in leadership teams in schools um, and the other half of the people are commercial uh, leaders uh, in different types of organizations and it's really interesting to have that mix of different types of leaders that I'm working with um, and as I mentioned and Sheila mentioned I also sit on a couple of boards uh, one for the Hills for Hills Grammar um, and the other for a financial services company so again not-for-profit and for-profit experience um, in working with different teams. The, um, this, as a, this is the slide we finished out last time, which I'm going to come back to now because a lot of you know, today is going to be about leading teams. And this was the team of people or part of the team of people that I was involved in leading when the tsunami, um, sorry, the earthquake hit Tokyo and Japan and then the following tsunami afterwards. Um, and it was a really interesting few weeks um, as we had all of our 300 employees go home and work from home um, and how I and my leadership team needed to lead in order to keep them communicated, united, motivated, um, you know, and supported um, to be able to function uh, from their homes um, in a crisis um, and, um, and to be able to come out of that in a way that um, allowed, you know, us to rebuild um, and go on and be, you know, extraordinarily successful, which his team actually, you know, really did. Um, and it's an interesting point in time right now um, as you think about people coming back to work again, and we were just talking about this during the week because, um, you know, people in organisations have been working for, from home for a long period of time now. Um, and there's an interesting dilemma as we start bringing people back to work again because, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, the introverts in your team are probably have probably loved being at home. Um, it's been great because they can be on their own, do their thing, um, you know, not have to necessarily get involved in, you know, too many issues with people um, or deal with conflict or have any challenges because it's all happening from home and you can just hop on your Zoom session, hop off again, you know, and go and do your thing. Um, the extroverts are all climbing the walls because they're tired of being at home and they want to get back into the office as fast as they possibly can. 
um, you know, and start interacting and doing all the things that they do. Um, and I think that it's, it's challenging when you think about bringing people back to work again um, and back to the work environment. And you can understand why there's a degree of, you know, anxiety and challenge there um, in being able to do that. Uh, and so we've been talking a lot about that in the last, you know, couple of weeks um, with different leaders around bringing people back. Um, and then as you bring them back again, how are you going to be leading them um, and supporting them and continuing to adopt change um, that has been brought about by the COVID, you know, situation over the last three months. The, um, I used this last week and then I remind everyone about it again because I think it's really important. You know, everyone is being watched as they lead. Um, and we have, whether you are an individual contributor um, in your team or whether you're in your organisation or whether you have a team of people that you are leading, you are being looked at as a leader all the time. We're always being looked at as leaders all the time. Um, you know, and that goes up, you know, and down the organisation. So we have to be conscious of that as we are leading change and getting our team and our school or organisation to be doing things differently than the way they've been done before. And for many of you, you are going to be change agents inside your organisations. Um, in some in some cases, you, um, you know, head of advancement, head of engagement, enrolment, you know, with different parts of the organisation that you're involved in, um, you are normally at the forefront of some of this change and leading the organisation through that. And people will be watching you. And as we talked last week about our own individual emotional intelligence and our emotional state, um, depending on how we're feeling at any given time and how we react to something at a given time, people are always watching us. Um, and they're taking our cue in lots of cases um, on how we react to something. If there's some bad news, um, how we deliver it will often determine how they receive it, pick up it, pick it up um, and carry it on um, inside the organisation. Um, and so it's hard for us sometimes because you have to make sure that you're always in check with how you're feeling, how you're reacting, how you're looking even um, as you are working with your team um, and leading change in your team um, and in your organisation. So it's just something to always be aware of. You are being watched all the time. It's not to be scary and this is not a big brother thing. Um, this is just something to be conscious of. If you think about it, you're probably watching your head of your school all the time to see how he or she reacts um, or engages around a particular issue, challenge or change. Um, we're always looking upwards. You know, we're looking right up to the Prime Minister of Australia to see what is the, um, you know, the reaction, um, the direction, the guidance that is being provided. So we're constantly looking at leadership all the time and you as leaders are being looked at by people all the time as well. There's this five different types of changes that I just wanted to um, share again quickly. We talked about this again last week, but for those who, who weren't with us, you know, we've pretty much been in this number three and four, this sort of sweeping dramatic change, you know, transitional change point um, with the pandemic um, and with COVID. But as I start to work with, you know, leaders now, we're more shifting back to number two again, and we're taking things that have come out of um, the change that's occurred through this sort of more dramatic thrust upon us type of situation um, and the, you know, the, the speed and the, you know, I guess the efficiency that we've had to go and make changes in our school, to go and put in place distant learning programs, to go and shift our school tours to being virtual, to go and adjust our marketing and how we're doing things in order to try and get our messages out. And that might be purely about frequency or channels of communication or whatever we've had to react to to make things happen. 
I think now we're moving from that you know, reactive phase back to a more developmental change phase, which is taking the things that we had to react to and do differently um, over the last 12 or 13 weeks and think about, gee, what out of those things that we did were great and worked really well, better than we anticipated. And as a team, think about what do we want to continue on with um, in our organization um, that has been great that's come from um, you know, the last three months. And as I was talking to some people during the week, the use of technology um, and the adoption of video conferencing in organizations that would have resisted in the past and said, oh, we've got to be face-to-face. -face. Um, we've got to have people together in the room. Um, and now sort of understanding that it is possible to add in a video option. Um, sure, the preference may well still be face-to-face, -face, but there's a video option that can work um, and that can be usable and that can be efficient, provide efficiency, save time, save cost. They have a range of things that lots of organizations are going to want to continue to work with in some way as they go forward. Um, another thing that came up a lot during the week was just this ability for people to um, really appreciate more the social interactions that come from being at work and being in a team and being a group. Um, for lots of people, being at home is very tough. Um, so coming back to a work environment um, where there is that supportive community, um, you know, the well-being and management of people, um, that um, is really important. I think we've taken for granted in some ways until we didn't have it anymore. Um, and then people are going, you know, that's, this is a really important function of, of how we exist, how we work, the culture of our organisation and how we, um, how we lead. And so just a couple of things there just from during the course of the week. But this developmental stage, I think is where we're at. And, and you're thinking about your school or organisation, the things that you've been doing over the last three months, the things that have been really successful um, that you've been getting great feedback on. I think you and your team have got to be looking at, are we going to keep those changes? Um, and are we going to look at embedding them into our normal way in which we are running um, and leading um, our organisation? Um, and how are we going to go about communicating that and making sure that the organisation understands this is not a short-term adoption dealing with the crisis. It's now a part of our organisation, the way in which we um, you know, operate and work. And so it's a it's an interesting, but I think exciting time to be going through because so many great things have come out of uh, the, the pandemic and crisis that we've been going through. I thought it might be useful, um, and you didn't have to do this, but Sheila sent out to you um, a link to a, um, an online quiz um, around change management. Um, and often with my clients, you know, when we're talking about different topics that um, are interesting and important for them, you know, I might get them to do a quiz um, or some sort of, use some sort of tool to check in and just see, you know, where they're at. Because it's always interesting for us um, just to, to self-check um, on our own abilities and what we're doing. And so, you know, this is one organization, Mind Tools, you've got the link to that quiz. It's a, you know, a simple, um, you know, 16 question quiz around change management. And I did this myself as well because I, Never asked you guys to do something that I hadn't done myself. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I had a score of 53 um, in this, um, and I'd have to tell you that my probably my area of development in this is going to be about my planning change. I think that that was my lowest score, um, and that's probably typical of me. I really am probably a person who loves to get into thinking and, and, um, and brainstorming around, you know, different ideas and things that we're going to be doing and change that we're going to be implementing Maybe my planning step is probably not as thorough as it should be sometimes. Um, and I think it's just going to all unfold and happen, you know, pretty smoothly. And uh, I think it's a reminder to me that I probably should be doing that.
And so I'm going to throw it open to you guys to, um, if anyone did get a chance to um, have a look at that quiz, you didn't have to, it was just simply a tool available to you and you want to share, um, you know, what you got from it. You don't have to give us your score, um, but did you get a reminder on something or a takeaway that you think you're going to be doing differently as you think about change with your team? Well, guys, feel free to unmute yourself if you want to answer Craig. I'm apologising because I haven't done it, but I have written down to do it after this. Okay. Same here. <laughs> no problems at all. You know, it was, as I said, it wasn't a, a, um, a compulsory thing for today, but I think that if you go um, as a quick, you know, sort of resource, that website has a range of um, quizzes that you can do. I actually use the listening quiz from that particular um, website as well with my clients. Um, and again, you know, these, these are just tools to help remind us of the things that we're doing, you know, or not doing. And they're definitely not a definitive psychometrics, you know, measure of anything uh, apart from, you know, just a good reminder. Um, Sheila, is there a couple of things coming through from people? Um, questions or? Uh, we got a, an answer saying, I really enjoyed it, scored 63. A nice reminder that I have useful skills in this area and some good, some good bit to review for further improvement. So something to review for further improvement. So yeah, that was from Tammy. Fantastic. Thanks, Tammy. 63, great score. Um, and I think that this is always, you know, no matter where you score, there is just a reminder of things that, you know, we may have been doing that we just have forgotten to do because we've got busy doing other things and by doing it and go oh yeah i just remembered i should be doing that um brings you back to just some of the basics that you already knew but you just you know had forgotten so i think these are really just good for reminding us of the things that um uh, we should be doing as we're leading so again nothing super connected to this but it's there for you to use and maybe use with your teams i was talking to natasha earlier about this sometimes take these things and grab your team and say, let's do this um, quick quiz, let's get the scores um, and let's just talk together about um, how we did because often you'll find in your team that where a person may have scored low in the, you know, the planning section, you know, of this particular quiz, for example, you might have other people, you know, who've got the um, understanding change score much higher or the resistance to change score much higher and you want to leverage the skills and expertise that you have in your group. Not everyone's strong at everything. so you know, leverage the strengths um, and use those to work out if you're doing a change project, who's leading what aspect of it based on the strengths that you've got inside your team. So tools like this as a group thing can be a really good thing to do. It's not, it's not about who's best. It's just about where our strengths lie um, within our group. Okay, we're not going to run through the 10 principles of change management because we'll be here all day. Um, and if I was doing this, it's our one day, you know, sort of um, workshop I'd be doing with uh, school leaders. But we are going to pick on four um, and run through those quickly. And they're more tied down to this whole the communication aspect um, of these principles. Um, but the first one really is around, you know, addressing the human side. Um, no matter what change you're going to be doing inside your organisation, no matter how complex or how simple it's going to be, um, it's the human impact of it that you have to always be most conscious of. And particularly, um, you know, in schools and organisations where, you know, I know this from my own, you know, experience, 70% of, um, you know, the 
organization cost-wise um, and resource-wise is tied up in human beings. Um, and so you want to make sure that you are thinking about how is this change going to affect the organization, who is going to be impacted by it, and how are we going to go about communicating um, and making sure that people are on board with this and supporting it um, rather than hearing about it through the grapevine and resisting it. Um, and so this consciousness around the human element of change um, is really important to be considering. You know, with that, it's really important that you've got, you're starting at the top of the organization. Um, if you're gonna make a change inside of your school or organization, if you don't have the top of the organization buying into it, um, unlikely it's going to succeed. Um, and so part of that human you know, side and analyzing what do we have to do is about getting top of the organization on board, um, the executive on board, um, if they're not already from the beginning, um, and then ensuring that it's cascading down through the organization, you know, appropriately. You know, and sometimes you're going to get, you know, some pushback at the top, but it's going to be about how you prepare yourself, you know, to um, pitch what you're wanting to do and the, you know, the logic and reasoning behind why it's um, important. And often if you come back and center it to the student and what's in the, what's the benefit to the student out of it, you often get a lot of people coming on board because they understand it becomes a, you know, a student benefit um, or a, and, and student first is an important part of a lot of organizations. Um, that tends to bring people on board sometimes if you haven't taken the benefits or the consideration of that into play um, in thinking about that. So getting the top on board, you know, is important. And um, I won't go through all of this, but it really is just talking about making sure that you've got, um, you know, the head of the school involved, the leadership team, everything I've just been talking about. Um, and Sheila can make these slides available to you so that you can um, have these and go through them in more detail um, as, you, as you have time. Involving every layer, I think is really important as well. You know, we've started, we've talked about the top, you know, we've talked about, you know, you and your team where you're gonna be. Um, you've also then got, you know, down into the rest of the organization as well, the heads of departments, individual contributors, non-teaching staff, um, you know, uh, school communities, you know, organizational communities linked to the school who may be, need to be involved, parents, class parent groups, HAFA, um, you know, who knows who else needs to be involved in some of the communication that you might have to do, but you need to make sure that every layer of your organization is being considered um, when you're thinking about rolling out change. Um, because as you know, no one likes to hear it, you know, from somebody else. No one likes the surprise of finding out about it um, in a way that, you know, wasn't planned and structured. And so I think it's really important that you're considering the layers of your organization and how to make sure that everyone gets the right timing um, of the communication um, and the appro appropriate support behind adopting that change. You know, we touched on this a bit last week, um, uh, and I'm going to say it again, because I, I mentioned it last week regards to us as individuals, but remembering that to, in, in any organization where there's change happening, you sort of want to have advocates for that change um, sort of scattered throughout the whole organization. And often what, you know, organizations will do when they're doing a change program is they'll put together a bit of a change team, um, and they are sort of the advocates um, of that change. They're not involved in making it happen, but they're involved in going out and communicating it and supporting the rest of the organization to uh, understand and adopt the change. 
Um, and so if you imagine in a school, you might have individual teachers, you might have a couple of heads of department, you might have some on the executive, you've got your head of school, but you know, everyone, the, the top of the organization can't be there talking to everybody across the organization about the change you're putting in place. And you can't do everybody either. So therefore, you've got to have other people in the organization who are supporting the change, understand it, advocating for it, and helping those who are struggling to get used to the idea to come on board. And so it's the special forces, I tend to call them, um, that you have in your organization that helps to make sure every layer of the organization is getting the information. Sheila, any questions at this point that I need to pick up on? No, no, none have come in. I'll let you know. Perfect. The fourth thing we're going to focus on here a little bit is around communicating that message. Um, and I think it's really important to think about how you're going, about, how you're going to communicate it through the organization. Um, the first point I made here, which is we were just talking about earlier, was around you know, listening. Um, and I think we forget sometimes as leaders the importance of being a good listener. Um, and I would ask you to stop and think about how good are you at listening? Uh, and if you, depending on how you think you are, I'd challenge you to go to that same uh, Mind Tools website, do the listening quiz um, and, uh, and see how you score. Um, because it breaks it down into being prepared to listen, active listening, um, and empathic listening. Um, and often people will wind up being good at a couple of them and not so good at one of them. Uh, and uh, it's a great reminder, again, another cool um, activity to do with your teams um, as a reminder of things that are really important. Listening, super important. Um, to, and particularly for change and for listening to that human um, you know, piece that we talked about at the beginning, because people will have questions, will have challenges, will push back. Um, part of them adopting it is simply, you know, them feeling like they're being heard um, and listened to with their concern, even though it may not change the fact that, that, that the change is coming and happening, but at least they feel like they've been heard. Um, and it's an important part of any change process. So I threw listening in there. Um, do the quiz if you've um, got time with your teams. Again, we touched on values last week. I think team values are really important. Um, it would be interesting, you know, do you know um, what are the key values um, of each of the members of your team? Now, we can talk about this as a whole session and maybe Sheila will have me back as on another day to talk about values, but you've got your school values um, and that you are, you know, living those values and the culture of your school is tied around those values. Um, we all have individual values too, and you hope that those values in some ways line up to the values of the organization, but sometimes they will and sometimes they won't, and sometimes one or two might, others don't. Um, but I have, you know, I have three values, and mine are honesty, genuine, and passion, um, and uh, they have constantly been my three values. And with my teams, I will tend to want to try and understand what their values are too, because um, it really helps when you're trying to get them to think about change and doing things differently. If you can appeal to them in a way that really sort of resonates with their values and who they are. Um, and so often um, with teams that, that I'm working with, um, we will do a bit of a, a, a team exercise around guessing each other's values. Um, um, and we never get them right because it's always too hard to know that. And we don't walk around going, hi, I'm Craig Teague, or my, my values are genuine passion and honesty. Like, we just don't go around doing that. Um, uh, but it's, it's sort of good to, it's almost like a, secret, like a secret source of knowing your people to understand what their values are. Because if, I, if, 
someone's going to come and pitch something to me that's going to be bad news or something that I'm not going to want to hear. I'm going to want to hear it, honestly, because honesty is a value of mine. No point dancing around it and trying to soften it and cushion the blow. Just give it to me because that's one of my values and I'll respect that because that's who I am. So it, it's, it's, not a, it's not an important thing that you have to have, but if you can sort of subtly understand the values of your team, it makes a big difference when you're trying to get them to um, do things differently. Um, the same thing with expectations, um, and I, this is an interesting one. Uh, you know, what are the expectations that you have um, for you and your team and how you operate and work together? And I think if some of you were at the conference last year, we talked a little bit about this, um, but often leaders have expectations, but they don't share their expectations. Um, and expectations are really the behavioral boundaries of how your team work together. You know, you have guidelines and um, curriculums and operational, you know, toolkits and things that you use for running your school or organization. But what are the behavioral boundaries? How do you expect your team to work together? Um, how do you expect them to work with you successfully and behave um, in the workplace? Um, and it's a, it's a really interesting thing to think about uh, and something that you may want to even consider sharing with your team uh, if you have some really clear expectations and you're just assuming people know what they are and following them, but you've never really defined them or said them to your team. You know, I have five that I've constantly used in my different teams around the world and, I've, and people have known them from the very beginning. And when I've hired people, I've told them on their first day, you know what, well, I just want to share with you my expectations just so you know how we like to work together. And they're nothing, you know, super strategic or complicated. Um, but mine are around, you know, be on time, no surprises, always check, never assume, do what you say you're going to do. Um, and number five is bring a considered solution as well as the problem. Um, they are my five. Um, not that clever. Um, and I don't own the rights to those. Um, it's just what's important to Craig and how my team works together because I, I really believe, you know, being on time is about respect, you know, of the people who are in the meeting or the respect of the person coming to the meeting. Um, doing what you say you're going to do is just that. You know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. You know, if you can't do it, come and tell me you can't do it and we'll work out a new plan and off you'll go to that. But don't let the deadline pass um, and not deliver anything and then have me come ask you, where is that whatever that we had agreed that you were going to be doing? It's just, you know, they're just the basic rules of how we work together and how I expect my teams to work together. And when you're implementing change, um, you know, some, this, these are really the foundations of how you operate and how you go and do things together and how you make things happen. And they're good things to come back to um, in a change situation as well. They're also good things if you're a leader who finds it difficult to have hard conversations with your team or to hold people accountable to things. Um, that if the team agrees that these are the expectations, then when a team member is not doing what they should be doing and they're turning up to your nine o'clock team meeting at 20 past nine every week, um, then the conversation is, you know, hey, Craig, you know that one of our expectations is um, that we be on time and that we respect each other's time. And this is a nine o'clock meeting that you know, um, and you need to be there at nine o'clock because that's what everyone expects that you're going to do. And so you can sort of have that conversation around the expectation. It's not about you so much, it's about the team and how you work together. 
So I want you to think about expectations and if you have them and you haven't shared them, think about how you might share them. And leaders will do that differently and in different ways. Um, and if you don't, if you haven't thought about it, but you think, you know what, we're missing a real foundation around how our team works operates um, for building trust, starting with, with expectations that everyone is operating to is a really great way of building trust inside your team. Okay, um, check-in, you know, I put here. Uh, I wanted you to think about, you know, how do you go about checking in um, in the organisation, in your team, in other parts of the, the school to make sure that the things that you're changing and doing are working well um, and that people are happy with it. You're gathering feedback um, because part of a change process is that you want to continually keep collecting feedback along the way of implementing it to make sure that you know people are adopting it, that it's working well for all aspects of the school, that you're tweaking and tuning and modifying as you go along based on the rollout and implementation of it. And so how are you going about checking in? And people will do that, you know, in lots of, you know, different ways. It would be, you know, through your team meeting. It might be through one-on-ones. It might be through, um, you know, going to other department meetings and just checking in on how, you know, the, how the change is going and attend as a guest and just ask the questions and see how things are happening. Um, it might be through a, you know, once-a-term check-in, formal check-in process that you might have with your staff members. All I would say is you want to make sure that you've got some checking in process happening all the time. Um, and I sort of link this to, um, you know, a tool that I would use with lots of leaders around getting them to think about what their communication triangle is. Um, and the triangle is sort of upside down because we start with um, an individual looking at what's the broadest communication I need to be doing. Um, and this is Craig's communication triangle from when I was, you know, working at my last, my last position, which was in Tokyo. Um, but starting at the top. And for you, it might be you're going to be doing a communication to, you know, the entire school community because that's where communication comes from, um, across the school. It might be that it's just going to be all staff is your starting point of the broadest piece of communication. It might be, um, it's, the leadership team, it might be just your team, um, but it starts at whatever your broadest communication point is, um, and it's about how often am I doing it and what channel of communication am I using to do it, and you cascade down into the smaller group communication you're doing right down to getting to a one-on-one -on -one that you might be having with your team members or a one-on-one -on -one that you might have with your manager. Now, this triangle looks different for everybody um, as they're putting it together, but it's a good way of checking in to make sure that you are covering off every level of um, communication and check-in that you need to be doing across you know, your organisation. You can see on mine, I started with all the employees that I'd be talking to at an all-hands meeting, like an, an all-staff meeting, um, all the way down to the one-on-one -on -one I would have with my manager, but there were different other smaller group meetings that I'm doing face-to-face -face or conference calls or emails or whatever it happens to be all the way through that. This is not a, you know, a definitive um, sort of complex plan. It is a check-in to make sure I'm doing all of the things I need to be doing to communicate change or anything that's happening inside the organisation. And you might want to just scribble down yourself your own triangle just to make sure um, that you're doing all the things that you need to be doing and checking in with all the right people. Okay. Ah, oh, before I jump into the cards, 
I mentioned this last week, but um, in the communications that people are doing and what's come up out of you know sessions in the last sort of month or two, it's coming back to some of the basics. Um, and you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, but simply, if you think about the ways in which you want to communicate, how you want to recognize performance, and again, we should have, Sheila, a whole discussion around reward and recognition in schools, um, but um, the, a lot of people, um, especially when they've been working from home um, and people have been challenged by working from home, um, that their well-being has been imp impacted by that. And even just as we talked at the very beginning about the challenges of returning to work, um, the good old fashioned card, handwritten, addressed, a stamp and popped in that crazy thing called the post um, is um, something that we don't do that much anymore. Um, we tend to rely on an email, a text message, a WhatsApp group, um, or whatever it happens to be. And I would say for lots of people, um, the motivation uh, and the, um, the emotional, um, I, I guess, gesture that comes from taking the time to handwrite a message and to mail it and have someone receive it to their home. Um, I couldn't tell you the hundreds of stories I've heard of different people who've been doing that in the last two or three months. Um, and the feedback that's come from people going, wow, I just love the fact that I got a card in the mail from my boss saying, you know, how happy he or she was about the job I was doing at home. Um, it's just one of those things that's just a reminder that's a really simple thing that we should be doing. Okay. This is the another interactive part. Um, one of the exercises I do with my leaders at different stages uh, when we are together, um, sorry, someone just decided to blow outside my door. Um, hopefully he'll be gone in two seconds. Can you hear me okay, Sheila? Yeah, we can. The, um, I could run outside and say go away, but it probably is. Oh, the it's, best it's thing all right. Do. I'll, I'll the, let you know if it gets too loud. Okay. The, um, Visualizing things and getting people to think about things visually is a really important thing to do. And I've been mixing it up with my clients over the last couple of weeks um, to get them to use visual cards to express, you know, how they've been feeling about certain things. And so typically when I do this exercise, I'd have a couple of hundred cards spread out over a table um, and I would be posing the question to leaders and they would be looking at the cards and selecting the ones that would be most um, relevant to them. But because we can't do that very easily using Zoom, um, what I've been doing is I took all the cards, I put them down on the table, face down, and I got the six members of our family who were isolating together um, through the pandemic to go, go pick a card off the table. So they randomly picked these six cards. And these are the six cards that I've been using with my clients um, over, the, over the last month or so. And it's been really interesting to see how they responded to this question of how are you leading others through change? Um, and so when you think about how you've been leading your team and how you've been leading your organization through change or how others that you've been watching have been leading the organization through change, what does the card represent for you? And so we did this one last week, but I thought I'd throw it up again just to give, get people warmed up again because the next three after this are going to be different to the ones that we had last week. But when you look at that card um, and you think about leading change um, in your organisation, what does this remind you of? 
Um, and I'm happy for you to unmute and share it um, with voice, or you can just type into the pod um, and send it to Sheila, and she'll read them out as we go through. But I'm going to give you sort of a, a 30 seconds or so to think about this um, and what this card represents. Thank goodness the lava stopped. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Can I say something here? Um, hi, everyone. It's Moya. Um, to me, it, it looks like the leader is way off in the in the distance and is thinking they've communicated something. Then there's a middle manager in the middle who's sort of somewhat close to the team who's still on their own, who thinks they've, they've communicated something. And then there's the team who just really don't quite know what's going on. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> So that's a very common interpretation of the card, Moya. It's great. Thank you. Uh, we've got one here from a family. Be aware that your team members will respond to change in their own time. Yep, that's very true. Uh, can I offer a slightly different analogy? Can you hear me, Sheila? Yes, yep. I can. I, um, we have, I think, probably where I am at the minute, a, a new process of change about to start. And this picture for me takes on a slightly different um, meaning. I think that's our senior leadership team right out in front. They're making all the decisions and the rest of us are all standing around going, hmm, something's happening, what's going on? And that poor fellow in the middle is one of the brave souls who's willing to put their hand up and go, right, I'm going to go and find out what's going on so that I can come back and tell the rest of you. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, that's good. Tommy, that, that comes up a lot. Uh, we got another one here, together but confused. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, the, they're all things that we come up with different people. There's also another spin to it just for something different, which is that the person that the meerkat way out in the distance is a scout. Um, and that person's out there looking um, uh, for change um, and what's coming ahead. Um, and going to come back to report back to the rest of the team um, based on what they see out there. Um, so it's another another different spin on it, but a lot of the majority of people would often see the meerkat in the distance as being a leader or a team that is disconnected um, or is not communicating um, or is operating on their own and the rest of the team is not following. You know, one of the most important things about leadership is that you can come up with the you know, the most interesting ideas um, or change that you want to implement. Um, but if you can't get people to understand the change and the reason why change needs to happen and to adopt it, um, it's going to be very difficult to go out there and implement it on your own. And so you've got to have your team with you right behind you, not a 100 metres behind you, um, but literally, you know, a few feet behind you um, and that you are united together um, in the change decision that you have made and that is what you are communicating to your plan, to your communication plan throughout the organisation. So it's a, you know, it's a really interesting observation that you pick up on. It's really important. Um, you've, you've got to, sure, you have to have you know, some leaders sometimes making decisions that will be different to the team or there may be a captain's call sometimes on things, but you've got to be able to at least get your team to align and agree to supporting that call Otherwise, it's going to be disastrous. Okay, this is the next card, and we didn't have this one last week, so um, it's new to everybody. Um, but what does this image represent with regards to leading change? 
let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. That's very good. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. That's again. That's the taking the leap together. Um, the I think that some people could argue it's a stupid idea even to jump out of a plane. What are we doing? <laughs> Um, but on the basis that you go past that and go, we're doing this together, um, the formation, the connection to one another um, is that unity of we're yeah. taking this leap, we're doing the change. Um, and on the basis that we have a good plan and we know how we're going to execute that, which may well represent the parachute on their backs, yeah. it is going to open um, and that we're going to land safely. Um, but also, I think, you know, let's be brave and give it a go. Yes, Marilyn, I think that's true. You've got to, there, there are things that you have to just decide, we're going to go do this. We're going to have a crack at it. Um, and I think as long as you've got that process in place of being able to check in and see how people are finding it and refining it as you go along, then, you know, there's nothing, you know, wrong in going out and taking a, you know, a risk on something. Um, you know, a... a a mitigated risk is fine because you've thought through it, you know what the risk might be, you're still going to go and do it and you'll make some changes along the way to fix it. But to do, you know, to sit there and keep looking for options and doing nothing often is the wrong thing to be doing. Do what you believe is a good, you know, actionable idea, which might be risky, um, and measure it and check in on it along the way and you can adjust and change or pull back if you need to. And my thought was, if, if I'm going down, you're coming with me. But that's <laughs> and Tommy said, we must work together for the plan to work and ensure everyone's safety. Yeah. And Tamsin says, uh, we all jump out of the plane in our own time, but we can achieve more by coming together. Very good. Yeah, there is an individual approach versus a team approach to getting things done um, and having a greater impact. That's absolutely for sure. On a given day, if someone's having a bad day, this can be the worst flight on to show them. They just think this is like, I'm jumping out of the plane, I'm dying. Like it's, it's <laughs> but it's really, again, I, I think your, your views on this are, are spot on. Okay, this is the next one. That's just confusion. <laughs> yep, confusion. Complicated. Complicated, yep. Many different paths to the destination. Yep, that's very true. That's interesting. Some straight, some curved. Yep. There are many different paths to take, but we need to end up at the same end point. Yep, that's really good. Dealing with complexity allows people to get to where they need to be. Yep. Lots of options. Yep. Map, please, exclamation mark. <laughs> map, please? Yeah, map, please. Like, map, give me a map, please. <laughs> um, everyone's mind works so differently. This is a great engineer who could conceive this. Yeah. You know, lots of people can look at this card and go that it's um, complex, chaotic, um, difficult. Uh, and, and others can look at this card and go, um, 
opportunity, different options that you could take, um, different paths to get to the same destination, um, different approaches to being able to do it. Um, and, the, and, and some people will look at it as an opportunity to go, you know what, we, could, we can take something new and different um, and we can put our foot down and take off on the freeway uh, with no stop sign, no traffic lights, no roadblocks. Let's give it, let's give it a go and let's take off. Um, it can go from one extreme to the other. It's really great just to, to sort of see how people would interpret this. But a lot of people would take the view of there are a number of different ways to get to the destination. Um, and so wherever that destination is, um, there are different options and approaches and paths that you can take. You have to come down to obviously deciding which way to go, but a part of a really good team working together is putting on the table all of the different options um, to be able to brainstorm and to challenge and to um, disagree sometimes around the road that you might take. But together you come up and decide, this is what we're going to do, this is the best way to go and do it, um, and off you go and do it. Um, and that's a really important part of a team um, and making decision. You've, you've got to get to a point where you do make a decision um, and you've got to get to a point where you walk out of that meeting room united behind that decision 100%. Whether or not you agreed or disagreed with the, the final approach, you are agreeing to it when you walk out of that room and that is how you are leading that decision throughout the organisation. You cannot have people make a decision as a team around change or doing things different and then walk out um, and then second guess it, you know, to go to their team meeting going, oh yeah, we just decided we're going to do X, Y, Z. I didn't think it was a really good idea, but the team thought it was something that we should go and do, so that's what we're going to go and do. Um, that's not supporting the, the, the decision and leading change or anything in a positive way. And so really important that whichever path you take, whichever roads you go and decide to do, Everyone's united behind that decision. Uh, we have two more comments, Natasha. I don't know if you want to explain your one. Lauren, what was it? Lauren, what was it, Los? Los, oh, yeah. Where's the GPS? Where's the GPS? Where's the Lauren's comment? <laughs> Where's the GPS? Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and um, Moya said, "I wonder if Dan Andrews would like to implement this." <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, is that is that a an Australian motorway or an American one? Interesting. Okay, all right. Let's um let's run to the final one. This is uh the the final picture, um, and it can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Lauren uh, suggested, what a crack up. <laughs> Lauren is a funny lady. I like her. I get to work with her every day. She's right there. She's fantastic. <laughs> She's our marketing guru. Good on her. Fantastic. <laughs> As we proceed with change, mind the cracks. Can I tell you for, that there's... A, Okay, I'll, I'll just let you go for a second. Oh, there's another one which was something I thought. We need to nourish our teams to ensure that everyone is capable of implementing change. Yeah. The, the big thing that 
Cracks, so yep, cracks will happen, but it will come together with support. Yeah. The big thing that came out of this that was interesting for me, um, and this came, really came out of a lot of my um, uh, education and school clients, was that the commercial people go to covering the cracks or um, you know filling in the cracks, um, smoothing things over, um, and they all they take it from a nurturing the ground and um, and re rebuilding the the soil to grow something. That that's sort of the, the direction they take. A lot of school leaders will look at this and, and when talking about it in relation to change and the pandemic, talk about the fact that as they've implemented things at their school um, and done things differently, it's uncovered um, other cracks. Um, cracks that they didn't know were there. Um, cracks that they're really glad got uncovered because now they realise there's something else there that they need to go and fix and address you know, inside their school but they didn't realise it was there before. So it's a really positive thing that's come out of it. But they, but through the the need to go and do things differently, the need to change over the last three months, that cracks have appeared um, in other areas they didn't expect, and they're really pleased that they found out about them. Um, it's an interesting perspective um, that this card draws out that I didn't really think about, and definitely doesn't come out of the thinking of somebody um, in a more commercial world. Um, we have another one here. What is on the surface is not necessarily what lies beneath. Yeah, yeah, really good. It's interesting. I, you know, I used to think this was a wall um, or something in the, in the beginning or a cracked floor, but it could be a cracked range of things. It's uh, really an interesting one. Um, okay, I know the time is there, um, uh, and I could, yep. you know, keep I can keep going. But um, thank you for the interaction with that. I think it's. Great to hear how you see this and how that reflects in how you've been leading. Um, some of the challenges that you may be facing in um, implementing change in your organisation. But really come back and think about this whole human piece and the communication aspect of it. There's a lot more behind that and there's another six principles we could go and talk about and we, we didn't get into the planning and all those sorts of areas of this. But you know, you're, no doubt you're doing that in how you're thinking about implementing things inside your school. But just come back to the human piece, the communication piece, um, and how I'm doing that, and this ability to check in and um, lead change and uh, be flexible to adjust and to um, course correct as you go through to make sure that you get the best possible result um, in what you are changing and doing in your organisation. Um, and remember that you have done some really cool things over the last three months, um, some very cool things that um, could well be adopted as just normal practices inside your school or organisation going forward. It's not about, let's just pack it all up and go back to how it was um, mid-March. Um, it's really about, let's come and look at what was really cool out of what we did that we want to keep doing going forward. Finally, if you want to get access to um, sort of resources and articles and stories, um, and information that could be useful to you and your team around leading and change and a whole host of other things, you can go to the People Make the Difference or pmtd.com.au blog um, where all of the articles are that I write every couple of weeks or you can come and follow me on LinkedIn um, and you'll get them every couple of weeks automatically um, and uh, feel free to share those with your team to use those resources, anything that we've talked about here today. Um, and uh, hopefully there's some things that you'll leave with today that will just make you and your team better at leading that change for your organisation um, and getting those on board who need to be on board. Thanks, Sheila.
Okay, guys, uh, your last second if you want to ask any questions of Craig. You've got a minute. None. Okay. okay. All right, Craig, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you very much for being on. And we will uh, put the recording of this um, up online. Uh, there's thanks coming through again, Craig. So well done. Uh, Craig. And yeah, any questions, please uh, forward them to me or to Craig. Have a great right. weekend, everybody. Thanks, Craig. You too, Craig. Thank you. Take care. Bye, -bye. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye, Sheila.